yeah, I will say, I mean, it was it was pretty decent. It was the repros were pretty good. I totally couldn't tell it was a BMP one. I could. That's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Did they really use a BMP one? They use a BMP one. You can tell by looking at the road wheels. Oh god! I was like, that's uh, a suspiciously modern-looking running gear for a Saint Shimon. Hmm. <laughs> I wish you didn't tell me that. I'm just going to be looking at that now. No, oh, you're not going to be able to look away from it now. Enjoy. You bastard. <laughs> Have fun. Dennis coming in clutch on ruining movies. Ruining <laughs> <laughs> the ball. Are you not going to spoil it for you guys? Uh, they lose. Movie spoiled. Oh no! I would have never seen that. Impossible. Would it would it be cool to spoiler alert giving off like technical details like that? Is that like a spoiler or is that like an Easter egg? Or is that just showing off how fucking nerdy we are? Wait a second, do you mean the Germans lose? <gasps> no. Not again. <laughs> Count the rings. How many did they? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well right. on that note, you are listening to the Micro Machines podcast. And this week, we are talking about the Bacham BA349. That's how I say it, right, Callum? Uh, I think so. It's probably... The Bacham. Well, probably because it's German. <laughs> German, there's probably like a bit of phlegm in there, so it's like probably like Bacham or something like that. Oh. Bacham. Yeah. There you go. That, that's how right. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we talk about that, shall we do some introductions? All right. Well, I am Dennis from Ontario. I am currently drinking the last drop of my coffee because I drank it all uh, before the episode. Very nice, very nice. You got me, Callum, from New Zealand, and I have my standard black coffee because I am purely running on coffee today. Things are getting interesting. Well, I am Garrison out here in good old Kansas drinking coffee and eating some noodles for dinner. Give us some slurps over there. Oh, you ready for it? Oh, yeah. Give us some ASMR, man. There you go. Callum, I really hope you make that like a lot louder than everything else, just so that our audience can be treated to that beautiful audio sensation. I'm going to look on the an- analytics from this episode, and that's where they all quit. <laughs> not not uh, two minutes in. <laughs> well, then. So, Callum, you have made some slides to teach us about this very interesting-looking airplane today, correct? Uh, yep. It's only, uh, this is only going to be a short presentation because there's uh, not too much about this, um, would you call it an aircraft? Uh, more of a sort mm-hmm. of man-piloted anti-aircraft missile. Basically, it's a, it's, it's a last-ditch attempt. And this is all the uh, the uh, Buckham BA three four nine was. Uh, it was also known as the Netter, which is uh, translated to the Grass Snake. And uh, I've captioned this pilot safety. Don't worry about it. Fair enough. Well, let's get right into it. Now then, the idea for this was uh, Germany at the end of the war wasn't doing too well. I think we can all really? agree on that. No, no, way. Yeah, no. Yes, yes. But Ezra oh, told me it. that they were winning. <laughs> yes, so uh, the Nazis, they went kind of all out on uh, all the wonder weapons when, you know, you hear about the V1 rocket, the V2 rockets, uh, the uh, lesser known three, uh, V3 London gun. Don't know if you guys know what that is, but um, do you? Wasn't that the one that's still aimed at 
London right now, or is that the one for uh, Birmingham, or whatever the fuck? Yes, um, what well, that one, the V3, which not a lot of people know about, is just basically a giant cannon uh, that fired shells all the way to London and whatnot. Um, it's quite interesting, it's, got, it's, a ma- it's just basically a long barrel with all these sections that um, when the when the round passes through a section of, barrel, of the barrel, it uh, fires off a um, blank, you know, a bit like a grenade launcher, the old style grenade launchers. Right. So, yeah, just uh, continuously fired off, so it got the uh, velocity to reach London. Um, I think they managed to fire off a few rounds, and then uh, good old 617 Squadron, I believe it was, turned up with their... Uh, Tall boys and Grand Slam. Shout out to six one seven. Good yeah. job, boys. And Imagine can, having the capabilities to do that, but then you waste your resources on a place like Stalingrad for ego reasons. <laughs> yeah, so six one seven squadron, I believe, turned up and absolutely obliterated it. So yeah, good. So the Germans were very much in. They needed. They were looking for things. Quick counters. You know, they they needed to get a bit more experimental. Uh, their air force was running out. the The Luftwaffe was uh, had hemorrhaged all their decent pilots. They were hemorrhaging materials, aircraft, everything like that, whilst daily getting the hell bombed out of them by the Eighth uh, Airborne Air Force. Cope and seethe. Seethe. Yes. Touch grass. Yeah. Oh. So the Nader was designed to be a point defense rocket powered interceptor. Um, which is basically translates to strapping a guy in a wooden this thing was made out of wood with four jet jet boosters on the outside a ramjet i think it's a no a rocket engine in the center and then just firing them off at a bomber formation so correct me if i'm wrong this is basically like where i work we sell those wooden balsa kits for aircraft right yep and we sell those little rocket motors Yep. So this is basically making one of those balsa kits and then shoving a rocket motor up in it and then seeing what happens. And then also strapping a 12-gauge shotgun on the front of it. So nothing bad could ever happen from this. This oh, is totally. a perfectly fine concept, yes. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. The Emperor will live forever. Yeah, so the whole idea of the Netta was that it uh, had a vertical takeoff, hence the uh, point defense, because... Um, they didn't have, they uh, didn't have a lot of warning. There was you know the Eighth Army was daily bombing them, so they needed something that could take off in small clearings because they didn't have any runways anymore. They didn't have any airfields uh, by the time this thing was uh, was um, ex- wasn't even accepted. By the time this thing was being tested and stuff, they didn't have any airfields or anything like that. So they just wanted to use clearings in forests where they were all hidden and stuff like that. And basically. The four um, jet boosters on the outside, you can see there was uh, two on either side at the tail. Right. That Those would engage and fire the netter straight up into the air. You used untrained... The idea with this was the um, same as the ME-163 Salamander. You used untrained pilots that could learn quickly. And they had to learn quickly on this. Um, because when it fired up, it was on autopilot towards the uh, bomber formation, you know, because it was all pre-programmed on where the bomber formation was going to be. It ran on autopilot until the boosters ran out. Then the rocket inside engaged. And all the pilot had to do was he had one, maybe, I think at most one pass at the bomber formation. And all he needed to do was aim in the general direction 
And you see on the nose there, that little uh, array in the, in the nose cone. Okay, yes. Yes. Can, do you, can you guess what those are? Um, Steel rods. <laughs> no. Oh. Dennis? Oh. Landing gear? Landing gear. <laughs> oh, you think you're surviving this? Oh. <laughs> oh, Hans, you silly man. So, in the nose cone, when he uh, pressed the trigger, a fake nose cone popped off and exposed 24 uh, rockets, unguided rockets, and he fired them out like a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was close, but... Yeah. So it fired 24 uh, rockets at the bomber formation. At that time, his roughly 60 seconds of fuel uh, would be uh, used up. So he would be engaging uh, B-17s and B-24s. Yeah, so bomber formations usually flew at... Um, uh, what, like... I want to say, what? It was either 12 or 50,000. Uh, uh, I think it's a it was, big what, difference between 12. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling it was about 15,000. 15, I have a feeling it's like 25,000 feet, something like that, you know. But basically, that's when the engine died, and the pilot then had to glide the netter down to a height of 3,000 feet. At which point, to land, now we talked about landing, this thing, uh, has no landing gear at all. Um, by the time it also comes in for um, <clears throat> quote landing, it has no fuel. It's just gliding. So the way that this thing landed was it split in half. What? It split in half with the uh, engine, the uh, critical components, the engine and stuff in the back. A parachute would deploy, split the uh, entire aircraft in half. With that inertia, the uh, pilot would be literally flung out of the aircraft and he would parachute down then the nose cone just fell down and smashed into millions of pieces on the ground because that was the uh, expendable part. The pilot and the engine bay, well the engine section, parachuted down to the ground. That was how you landed. Imagine not knowing you're going to be catapulted to Mac Jesus out of this thing as you're landing. You just get fucking flung. Did the, the, do you know if the pilot had to pull a shooter or was it automatic? I believe it was all automatic. It was all done oh. by it was all done by the inertia of when the parachute for the engines um, went off. It kind of just okay. flung it all apart. Yeah. <laughs> this is just getting better and better, especially for the pilot. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So if we go on to the next slide, yes. So yes, the, uh, the primary the reason guys. for the Natter. Uh, this is the Eighth Air Force. Um, yeah, <laughs> in 1944-45, the Eighth Air Force really got stuck into Germany. Um, I mean, you're talking about daily bombings, multiple bombings of factories, cities. Well, Hamburg. Mm, uh, they had it coming. Well, the Americans mainly focused on strategic targets. Um, the British and Bomber Command at night kind of just went for anyone. You know, cities, Dresden. <clears throat> They had it coming. <laughs> you know. So, but they were also targeting airfields. So, uh, the, by late 1945, late in the war, the Germans didn't have a lot of air, um, air bases left. 
They also didn't have a lot of early warning systems left. They didn't have a lot of anything left. So uh, bombers were coming in, and the pilot, the German pilots of who there are few of and very few aircraft, didn't have a lot of warning to actually take off and intercept the bombers. Because, um, you know, you're trying to climb up to fifteen to 30,000 feet as quickly as possible, but in BF-109s, Focke-Wolf-190s, ME262s can't really do that uh, that quickly. So hence, uh, the Germans did a lot of experimentation for point defense. Uh, there, was one, there was one that was uh, designed before the NASA called the Heinkel P.1077. <clears throat> and that one was designed... Excuse me. <coughs> Edit that bit out. So that was designed... The same, same concept as the NASA. Um, it looks... Uh, sort of, it looks it looks very much like uh, you know the Arado jet bomber. Yeah, it looks yeah. a bit like that. Only you know scaled down to the size of a Natter, and the pilot actually lay prone to try and make it as small as possible. So, oh my god, yeah the uh, the P one zero seven seven wasn't. Um, yeah, it was one of the earlier designs. Uh, there was the Germans did a lot of in, other interesting sort of uh, designs. One of them was a it was a fighter that acted like a helicopter. This is because this is before the idea of the rotors for helicopters came in, and it was basically a uh, tube, and in the center of it had three um, rot uh, rotor blades, and at the oh, end of them was a ramjet. Yeah. Yeah, you know this one, eh? This um, was an aisle too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh what I can't remember the name of it. It's this really long German name it, that you it's know. not the it's not the tribal fugal because that was a different one. Uh yeah. is it a tribal fugal? I think it is. Mini art makes that. Yeah, yeah. Is it mini art? I thought it was Tacon for some reason. Uh I think Tacon made, but I know Mini Art has made a few kits of it actually, different schemes and whatnot. Yeah, so that's thirty five was... scale. Yeah, so that was one of the designs they had to try and intercept the bombers, but uh, that one didn't go anywhere for um, you know good reasons. But yeah, the so the Germans needed something. They also had a, they were also at the time experimenting a lot with um, anti air anti aircraft missiles. Um, I, I believe Tacom does a uh, model of that actually as well. It's got um, so the early, I think it was the uh, the Wasserfall. It was called. Well, one of them. There was multiple. So that that was the idea for uh, the development of the NATO was basically Germans could not get up in time to meet the bombers because by the time they did, you know, because for a single engine or fighter jet, uh, for a fighter or even the ME262, a very early jet, to climb up to that, that um, height did take a long time. By the time they did, most of the time the damage was done. The bombers had dropped their payload and they were heading on their way back um going they're going a lot faster than the piston engines because they've suddenly let go of all their uh, payload they're nice and light and they've already got the speed whereas the germans are coming up so they're coming up slower because you're gaining altitude you, you lower your speed so. you hear that boys germans can't get up <laughs> <laughs> so of course there was uh, other um, con uh, point defense concepts as well around. We also had the Messerschmitt ME163, which uh, 
I won't say it was successful, but I do believe it did shoot down some things. It, it wasn't as much a failure, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it shot down at least eight bombers, so, you know, it did something. So that was the reason for the Natter. Um, so, here's diagram of construction. So, because late in the war, Germans didn't have a lot of materials, especially metal, because... Uh, all their factories, foundries, everything being bombed to hell and back. Or the uh, Allies were pushing so far into Germany they were just liberating town. <clears throat> when they're in France and other countries they're liberating, don't think you can say that when they actually cross the Rhine, can you? I don't think it's liberation anymore. More payback. Suppose not. <laughs> so, with all these uh, German... Um, German ideas. They didn't have a lot to do, so a lot of materials. So the primary thing was this was made out of wood because it was cheap, it was fast to build, um, and it was basically about 40% of the aircraft was one time use only anyway. So, you know, cheap material, that was just going to splinter itself on impact. So, environmentally friendly. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Germans are way ahead on that environmental. You know, so you can see it was powered by the um, HWK 109-509 rocket unit. Uh, this was a biofuel system, which means that it carried two um, two components of the fuel that mixed in the engine, which created combustion. Uh, the ME 163 had the same thing, only that thing was um, lethal to say the least. Uh, I believe if you listen to the uh, ME163 Comet episode for Lions Lead by Donkeys, he goes into great detail about just how lethal the fuel is, um, the two-component fuel. Uh, I believe you couldn't have the components in trucks within 800 yards of each other because the vapors would set them off. So, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, the Germans we wouldn't want to be anywhere near it. It's the Forbintamir cement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So there were a few proposals. Uh, the the main one for the uh, the weapons, the main being the R four M rockets. I believe it's R four M. Otherwise, it might be Ram. I'm forgetting how to read. I think it was that. a Ram actually. Uh, R four M. Oh really? Yep. Abbreviation weird... for Rakete four kilogram. Yeah, well, that would do it. So they had either 33, uh, 33 of these at, uh, they were 55 mil or 2.165 inches. They, there was also proposals for 24, 73 millimeter, uh, Heinkel HS297 Fon rocket shells. And also, or they could have two 30 mil Mark 108 cannons with 30 rounds. So, yeah. Hmm. And did these all launch at once, or were they launched in salvos? I believe they just all launched at once. So um, you better hope that you got it. Yeah, you get one. You get one shot. The whole lot goes off at once, and the idea is you just aimed it in the general direction and hoped, you know, shotgun. Hope some of them hit aircraft because if if one of these rockets did actually hit a bomber, it could do some damage. You know. Um, well, absolutely. But then again, you know, how close are you getting to this thing? Yes. Um, 
It's hard to tell how close they'd need to be because um, it was never used. It was a... Uh, yeah. If we go to the next... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, man. I would not want to be in that thing. No. God, no. Um, so what... <laughs> so the, fo- the photo you're seeing here is the only manned vertical takeoff there was only one it was uh on march 1st of march 1945 by test pilot lothar sabar um cyber lothar cyber yeah close enough he's dead he's not going to complain <laughs> yeah that'll do it yeah so when they were testing this they needed to test a few things the uh the takeoff and the glide so first, they when they designed it, they wanted to test the glide properties first. So they initially kept, uh, towed uh, the NASA behind an aircraft uh, to test the gliding. Um, they did find, however, that it was a bit un- unstable purely because of the tow cable. Uh, they were having difficulties keeping it um, stable. The, the, tow, the tow cable was creating some uh, slipstream problems. So one pilot made the uh, daring decision to cut the line and actually found that the Natter as a glider worked very well. It was very really? stable. It was a very good glider. You wouldn't believe it looking at it. I was going to say, the, the wing size does not really suggest that it would be like that. Yeah. Water physics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they tested out the glide. It's fine. That bit worked. They launched a dummy. Uh, so they did, they did a dummy launch. They put a dummy a um, dummy in the pilot seat and they launched it off, and just to test the landing, you know, the whole break apart, all of that, and it worked. It worked very well. Okay. So then they got a test pilot and uh, he volunteered to do the one and only manned flight. What an um, idiot! Yeah, yeah. Can you guess why the only there was only one uh, flight manned flight? I'm gonna guess homeboy never they never found his uh what do you call that body parts oh no they did they did um oh God because when it broke apart they kind of theorized this because they're not really too sure it's a get it's a good guess just seeing the what was um you know around but it looked like the force of the inertia when it broke apart and the parachutes and all that was so great it snapped his neck yeah, that oh, cool. nice. Yeah, I'm not even surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, that was the one and only. The only, the other reason that it was the one and only test flight was by the time they were starting to look and putting these into serious production use and all of that, the Allied forces had captured the town that these were based in. There was ten of these, uh, so they knew the Allies were, t- were coming. So they loaded up all ten onto trailers and tried to get them uh, out of town. Um, eventually they dumped a few and some were captured and I believe there's only one left uh, one full proper one left and that is at the I want to, I think it's the Smithsonian um, is that the one in the first picture? I believe so uh, there are some replica ones um, there are some wooden mock-up replica ones like uh, yeah um, the Munich Museum in Munich has one. That's uh, 
that's the one um that one's actually really cool oh yeah i've got a photo of it actually not on the slides but that one's cool it's like this sort of cream colored with uh, the these uh black sort of striped wings on it it looks actually looks neat yeah there was only the one man flight by the time by the time that they wanted to use it it was already too late the allies had already rolled up on them and captured them yeah that will do it yeah so it's only this is only a small presentation on this one because uh, again there's not a lot to this but i think it's just as a concept for an aircraft it's very interesting like the idea of it and i think it's cool and there are a couple of models of it that you can make uh, the one on the left the uh, 170 second scale Bren gun i have that one i've built that one it's really neat it's a really neat kit actually um you can literally do the whole thing in a day it isn't it even so, even has photo etch um seat belts how are brain gun kits in general do you find uh that's the only one i've made but mm. it uh it actually went together pretty well um it was actually a pretty enjoyable kit huh yeah i'd have to look into that at some point oh yeah um and then on the right we've got a ravel 48 oh god with a it comes with a launch tower the uh brain gun one you that can the Bren gun, uh, there is a launch tower for it. It's a separate kit. I'm still trying to look for it because otherwise um, you can display the natter on a sort of wooden crate that they used, which I'm, which is uh, where mine is right now. It's on, on that. But I haven't glued it down because if I can find the launch tower, I'm going to build the launch tower. You should. That'd yeah. be amazing. But yeah, so that's, uh, that's the natter. Not a lot to go on, but... Um, I think it deserves a mention in the history because it's uh, just the idea of it. Just this point, uh, point defense little fighter is uh, one of the many insane things that the Germans were coming up with at the end of the war. But yeah, I think it's cool. so. Count what I've gotten from this presentation is that this is essentially the F one hundred four Starfighter before the F one hundred four Starfighter. Yep. Okay, fair enough. That's that makes what it all is. the more. This makes sense then. They would have made this into a ground attack aircraft had the war gone on longer. Mark my words. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Cal. No problem. That was a short Yes, thank you very much. Short presentation, but... It's a cute little thing to go yeah. over. Actually, that was still 27 minutes. Huh. Not bad. Yeah. Well, now it is time to talk about the hobby news. Ooh. And our first item of news is Hobby Boss is coming out with a, I don't even know what the the acronym stands for, but it's a German uh, logistics truck, the LKW seven ton, in one to thirty five scale. Uh, make of that what you will. It's, everyone likes a truck. Everyone likes a little armored cupola. I need it. Everyone likes an MG three. I'm, I'm calling yeah, it right exactly. now. This is going to be a hundred dollars. You reckon? I reckon. Yeah. And they're also coming out with the Iguana, which to my knowledge basically is a Leopard 2. Um, it's basically like the Beaver, which is their armored uh, bridge-laying vehicle. But this one's based on the Leopard 2 uh, chassis. I think specifically the Leopard 2A5 chassis. So they're going to be coming out with that as well. I wonder if you can, um, I wonder if you can build it as with the uh, bridge extended or not. I'd imagine that the hobby boss is going to make you build it with the bridge retracted if you follow the instructions but probably if you just do a like a basic bit of scratch building where you just refuse to follow the instructions you probably can build it extended nice nice 
Uh, okay. Got another Panzer IV. Mini Art's coming out with another <laughs> Panzer IV. Of course, Mini Art would. Callum, I have the feeling that Mini Art's coming out with a Panzer IV for every month of every year. Yeah. Yeah. Look at it. Mid Pro July forty three. <laughs> it's not even July forty three. It's the mid production of July yeah. forty three. There were two other productions they, before this. They probably had a. They probably made like five of these in real life. <laughs> in July. Yeah. But hey, fucking saying it. The Vomag. Oh, what the hell does that mean? I think that was the uh, manufacturer of it, like the factory. Oh, Buy the kit and find out, Callum. No. Uh, I have a Panzer IV. I'm building something on the base of a Panzer IV. I'm good. I'm Panzer IV'd out. I, I'll i be honest. I Panzer IVs are probably my least favorite tank from the German arsenal. They are weird. I'm I just like, going to come right out and say it. Yeah, I like the early ones, the Panzer IV A, A to C. I think they, the early ones look cool. The late Those ones, were all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I like the early ones. Don't know why. Well, I think the, it's also you personal. Like early everything. The, the early true. ones were very purpose-built, right? And they were designed for the purpose which they served. But then you've got these ones, which are just constantly being upgraded and upgraded and upgraded. You've got different factories doing different things. I mean, I, that has to have a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a full interior kit. Comes with photo etch and whatnot. Uh, workable tracks, I believe, if memory serves correctly. Um, yeah, it is literally the exact same as every other uh, Mini Art Panzer IV. Uh, have fun with this one, Ezra. This one's for you. <laughs> so, in more interesting news, I'd argue... Um, so we're all aware that TACOM made some waves uh, in the past couple of weeks because they announced their 1 to 35 scale Apache, right? I see. So Meng just dropped this uh, this past week uh, completely out of the blue. No teasers, nothing. They just said, yeah, we're, we're coming up with this kit and here are the CADs. So they are also doing the AH-64D longbow. How yeah. convenient. I find this in the industry. One company comes out with something, whether it's Stoogs or, in this case, Apaches, and everybody else has to do one. Someone needs to put out a goddamn Pershing. Honestly, yeah. But, um, yeah, basically, for all intents and purposes, this looks to be basically the same deal as the TACOM kit, just Meng's doing it, so obviously the assembly will be a bit different. Um, I believe this one has engine detail as well. That's all we know for the moment because they've just basically released the uh, CAD deta- the uh, CAD photos of it. But I will say the Meg one looks a lot nicer than the CAD TACOM photos, at least for now. Yeah, the, the CAD renderings look really good. And uh, more on TACOM, they are coming out with the MI-28N um, and also one to 35 scale to complement their Apache. Um, this is the only photo they have released thus far. But I think we can probably assume it'll be a similar construction, similar level of detail, more of the same, basically. Isn't that's literally just the Russian version of the Apache, isn't it? A cheap copy. Yep. <laughs> China wannabe headass. <laughs> it just looks weird. That's I don't know. Apache can get behind. This AliExpress Apache. When you order it from Wish. <laughs> <laughs> Do we even talk about this one, guys? Ugh. Hey, to be fair, to be fair, it is a full-on, full interior. That, yeah, that but is kind of cool. Do, do we even talk about it? Like, I don't want to necessarily give uh, all the wearables any, anything more to salivate over. We'll just say RFM models, Tiger 1, enough. <clears throat> they give you Zimmerit. All right, anyways, moving on. 
Um, so Italeri, Italeri comes out with a new kit every month, and this is their Simovante. Uh, I think it's SA seventy five. I want it, uh, but this is their uh, basically. So this is a kit. Um, most of the parts are from the nineteen seventies kit. I believe nineteen seventy four mold. Um, they've made a couple of these already. I actually have um the short barrel version of this in the stash. Um, it comes with a basic interior. It'll come with a figure. Um, it also has a nice metal barrel here and some photo wedge. You also know, you guys want to know what else it has? What? Could Rubber it be tracks. vinyl tracks? And they're not the, any kind of vinyl tracks. You have to heat the pins up together. Oh, and, God, no. Yeah. At that point, just put CA glue on it. At, at this point, I have to say, if you are making an AFE with these very narrow, thin tracks, you should be prohibited by law from making them vinyl. You know these things are going to snap. Yeah, totally. Uh, so this is from Vespid, the Centurion Mark 5-4-1. This is the Royal Australian Armoured Corps uh, Vietnam Centurion. So you'll see it has no side skirts. And they put a, they put a giant um, light on the turret, a big spotlight. So the uh, the Australian Centurions, uh, I hate to admit this, the Australian ones look really good. I quite like them. Oh, heaven forbid a country you don't like do something you like. <laughs> Bastards. I, I like the uh, cooling fins on the fume extractor. It's very uh, 1990s PC of them. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be in 72nd scale. So oh, what the fuck? So Vespid models, uh, they're the ones who did the... What else have they done? They've done the Comet in 72 scale. I think that's probably what they're best known for, but they've also done the Panther G in 72 scale, and they've done a bunch of like what-if Panthers, so things like the Black Panther and whatnot. Yeah, And yeah. that's all one to 72. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what else? What's next? Ooh. Uh, so there's a new tooling for the Edard MiG-15. I am so happy that someone's doing something interesting, not another Tiger. So 72nd scale, uh, this is the North Korean. Yeah, Korean Korean War, this is North Korean oh. uh, MiG-15. I believe, hmm. just... Uh, yeah, MiG-15. MiG-15's always been a very interesting looking aircraft. Mm, yeah, yeah. See, all yeah, we that, need that, is, like, um, the Yak jets, jet fighters. Yeah. Well. You think Eddard will ever do that? Uh, I can only hope. <laughs> Come on, Eddard. I know you guys are listening to this. Make us happy. Yeah. Actually, make Callum happy. Please. <laughs> oh, God. Then there's this um, thing. The This is from Dragon. The T-34-747R with... So it's basically for listeners, you take a T-34, you take the top off it, you take the turret off, and then you drop a uh, 88 flank 36 on top of it as is. And that's all it does. Yeah, they haven't done anything to change the flank 36. You just put it on. Literally, nothing. <laughs> wow. This looks like How it is going to be. I'm going to call it right now. This thing's over-engineered. Very yeah. over-engineered. Oh, totally. I mean, look at the CAD renderings underneath it for the 88. It's, uh, yeah. That's going to be like 50 this. pieces. Crucify me for this, but it is interesting looking. I will say it would be pretty cool to see that on your shelf, and you can explain to people, no, this thing actually existed. I mean, mm. that would be kind of neat. Yeah, 
Yeah, totally. So it's definitely cool on the what if stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, so this is also so a Panzer. This is a Panzer from Flyhawk. So this is the Panzer Panzer One uh, F, which is the VK eighteen oh one late variant. So this is um, it's got the chassis, the body of a Panzer One, but the running gear isn't the bogey type. It's the uh, road wheel type that the um, like say the Panther uses. So, Didn't they call this the baby tiger or something like that? Something like oh, that. Oh yeah, this yeah. is the Lux. This is the Lux, isn't it? Uh, no, that was the... The Lux was the Panzer II variant. Okay, Okay. so where the hell was this thing used at? I think it was only a... Um, I don't think it was used. I'm not too sure about these ones, but... Boring. Yeah, but it's in 35th. It looks cool. The, v, the VK uh, prototype tanks are actually pretty cool. They make good modeling subjects, so if I have the chance, I'd probably get it. I bet that was fun to drive around, though. Oh, oh that yeah. would be fun. Ooh, another Dragon 251. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's a Dragon 251. This is the ALF C. So, this is the Pioneer Panzer Wagon. So, it's got the bridge laying. And this one is the variant that has the 37mm cannon. On the front, same as the, uh, is it the Command uh, 251 that's got that? The 37? Uh, I know the one you're talking about. We actually have one at the museum not far from my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was basically Command 251 and then chuck bridge a, uh, and then uh, force that together with a Pioneer 251, and that's what you've got. So. Hmm. And this one's going to have their easy tracks, eh? The uh, ND links? Uh, yep, yep, by the looks of it, is that? Mm. Yes, mm. yes, they are easy. I think it looks cool. I wouldn't want This one would actually be I really love cool. the uh, Dragon 251. They do really good on those. Greg, like, would you say it's worth uh, getting? Uh, just from, I haven't built mine yet. I've I've looked extensively at the, the detail. If it's about the same, which they seem to be, uh, then yes, I, I would definitely get it. I mean, hell, it's a Pioneer... You don't see a lot of pioneer German subjects either, so it's nice. Not too many, no, no. Well, that was the hobby news. And now let's move on to what have we been working on this week, guys? <laughs> <laughs> All the right, Persian. so, yes, I've got two slides. Uh, now I know where you live. Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, you don't know, I've moved and currently in the process of buying a house. Uh, on my favorite tank street so that's cool uh yeah just some shots of the inside a little bit minus the basement and bedrooms but yeah some one-to-one scale modeling hopefully be in there in a couple weeks and be back to actually modeling that would be nice and then uh today was the grand opening uh, of hobby town wichita so i went there and have fun with this one Callum. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I'll restart that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he sees my cat and he's, he loves to scream at my cat. Uh, Tiger! Yeah, right. That was simply earlier. Freaking out. Oh, God. I, I had to listen to Owen every, like, every day when all the armor guys come in on the weekends, right? So every time someone said the word tiger, I, he comes around the corner and starts talking about, about it. And I'm just like, 
go back to wherever hole you came came out of. <laughs> All right, you, Mister Whitman, you. Uh, but uh, yeah, today was a grand opening of Hobbytown Wichita. They got their new facility or new place, so went there finally after forever. Picked up a Pershing, uh, the Tamiya one, and then got a Tamiya Tiger. That way I can do a Normandy Tiger and then picked up the Vermont Panzer Division booklet as well as a U.S. weapons kit and then my TACOM M114 uh, coming from eBay will be here probably Monday. So That's exciting. Yes, I'm looking forward to looking at that. It was like $34 from China, like $5 from shipping. So like what, fucking 40 and then at the hobby store today there was one there for 75 i was like yikes glad i bought mine offline can't wait Very to see nice. what you do with it thank you okay so i have not been working on any models whatsoever in the past few weeks i have not been working <laughs> on any tambia kits um i you guys all know me better than this i ever since the start of the year i have not worked on anything certainly not a comet um i'm certainly not building one uh, out of the box, definitely not. I wasn't. It was not a great hobby to today. I was not uh, replacing the grab handles on it, and certainly not drilling out the barrels on it. So yeah, uh, you guys can all ignore that right now. <laughs> and horrible liar. And I have no whips because mine is currently being kept a secret as well. So yeah, and also because model machine literally broke. I got myself a brand new airbrush and I've been extra careful with it. You know, spent all day yesterday priming my, my uh, Stimpanzer 4, cleaned the whole thing out and I was literally just screwing the tip onto it and it broke. The thread broke, snapped. So, oh. yeah. So my airbrush is currently out of commission again. This is the Gotta second love one. that. So, you just need to get a backup at this point. Pardon? You just need to get like a backup airbrush at this point. That was my backup. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Rip. Well, I've got I've got one that I could I got the old one that I could use in a pinch, possibly. I don't know. I might need to cannibalize some parts. Yeah. So that's that's my reason. So I figured we'd have a bit of a model dis discussion. Haven't had one in a while. Uh, this will be a nice, nice short one, but we'll be discussing a bit about box art. Uh, talking Ooh. about our favorite ones and, um, well, why we have them. I've got a confession to make, guys. Yes. Send it. Half the time when I buy a kit, I'm not even thinking about what it'll build into. I'm just looking at the box art. I definitely judge boxes by their cover. Well, that was the, that's the whole point. I, I've been sold. Yeah. So... Oh god. You don't see a lot of advertising for model kits in normal media, you know, TV or anything like that. So kits had to rely on box art to draw you in to buy it. Now, back in ye old day, a lot of box arts you see they're uh, all different companies, but they're all got a very similar theme to them. Uh can you guess what that theme is? The color yellow. Yeah, so let's say the primary colors uh red blue, and yellow. Now, they use this in different combinations to draw you in. They're um, 
And the whole idea of box art is they create these great um, scenes, which gives you inspiration. You, you, you see something like, say, the, the JS3 there. You know, it's in a big battle scene or the pattern or Thunderbolt taking off. That's, that's the, uh, the idea of box art is to create that sort of excitement of, like, it looks cool. You want to try and recreate that. You want to, you want to be into that. And they use the primary colors, red, red, uh, blue, and yellow, to draw you in. They're the most effective at showing. So multiple companies use these in a variety of different ways to draw you in. Um, so these colors, like, uh, very common. You just see um, yellow skies or full blue skies with, and everything else is red and yellow and stuff like that. Is the the is the the original way of marketing. Um, you see, the problem with this Callum is that, especially like that Stalin tank there, I look at that and I think of a single wide trailer home that a <laughs> chain smoker has lived in who once had white walls, but that is now the color of their walls. So I can smell the color of that wall and it draws me away from it. So Atlantis, <laughs> Atlantis, you failed. I, I just want to point out with that uh, JS3, I love that they say box top artwork suitable for framing. That is a bold claim. They are willing to die on that hill. That and I'm going to make them yeah. do so. I mean, I'd still keep it just because it's like old. But that's just me. I, I, I keep all the box arts that I have. I just have them in a folder. If you're buying the Atlantis kits, you've got a problem. Says the guy who has bought all to say, the Atlantis kits. Didn't you buy the Atlantis <laughs> kit and then use a wooden dowel as the barrel? Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do when people lack, okay? That's the most <laughs> 1950s modeling solution I've ever heard. I just like Hey, to, it worked, though. It I did just, work, yes. I'd just like to point out, I literally have a Lindbergh uh, aircraft in my collection, so... You know, oh, my standards God, are low. You, you like her <laughs> yeah, yourself. That's what the only conclusion I can come to. That I like what? Emo head ass. You just like hurting yourself with these kits, man. Uh, vintage, I, I stand by it. Vintage kits deserve to be built. You know. just Yeah, take, like 30 years ago. It takes someone <laughs> to just do it. Well, it's actually, it's actually easier to build it nowadays. You know, with what we've got now. You know, uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you say that. No. Anyway. So there's a, there's a really good uh, video on the use of primary colors with the box art. So I highly recommend you uh, watch it. If I can find it, I'll, we'll link it. Um, so you, you will go through some well-known kits, um, well, well-known brands, to show the, the uh, box arts have changed. Uh, I would say not necessarily for the better. Oh, no. Um, not at all. Hey, um, we're going to get cancelled at some point. I want to make it. I want to put a drawing a line here. Uh, for me, I'm all about vintage kits. I like vintage kits. I like the fact that how old they are. Um, I But one thing I do love about them are the box arts. So here we have Airfix. Well-known Airfix. On the left, we have the vintage. You know, they've got the Lancaster kit, the Val kit, and the Sunderland kit. I gotta say, this, that Sunderland box art is one of my favorites. That thing is great. You know, you got the yeah, that Lancaster. In the background on fire, you got the whole ships and everything. It looks great. And that Lancaster, you could literally frame that. that that's something you could frame as a painting. That's something I'd expect to see in a museum. 
Yeah, it is beautiful. As like that box art, it draws you in. You can see it's all action and everything like that. On the right, we have the new airfix, which to me looks like it's looks like rubber. It looks <laughs> like it's not as exciting. Do you get what I mean? Also, new airfix can't afford pixels, apparently. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> so, you, you, but you can see, you know, they're uh, they've changed to a more three three D. Um, they almost look like CAD renderings in on themselves. I think they of. are actually just CAD renderings. So, you know, they've applied textures and then colors to them, but I, I, the fun, fundamentally, that's what they are. Yeah, but I don't think they are, are as exciting as old FX. I think old FX looks much better. It's way more enticing. You know? Now one one thing I will say, um, so you've only really posted the one the one photo of the Airfix kit with the, any of the branding on it, but have you noticed that in recent years Airfix kits they're becoming more and more of the say the box art is becoming just the red red section where they've got the Airfix the branding and whatnot. More and more of the art is actually getting replaced for just Airfix branding instead of the actual box art, the thing that's supposed to draw you in. Yeah, yes, it's one. I think, I think that. that... Like. I think in some cases that might attract people more because like, for instance, you got those two small ones on the top, right? And it has the different like camo schemes on the front, just underneath their fix as well as, you know, you got all that space for the name and then you have a smaller picture. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the red throws it off. Maybe they're blue or gray. The red sucks. I mean, it it does. I hate red. You can understand the red of, if it's on a on a, if it's on a shelf, it you can ca- it does catch your eye, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's here's my conspiracy regarding Airfix uh, box art. Okay, so when Airfix was starting out as a company, they needed to rely partially on their box art, like the actual art itself, to sell the kits, right? And that's what we see on the left hand here, right? Yeah. Okay. But Airfix is basically like it's a household name for model kits, especially in places like the UK. If you think of model kits there, you think of Airfix. And they have they, they've got that brand recognition, right? Especially amongst older modelers who grew up with it. So my <laughs> theory is that as they have fallen behind, you know, and let's point out they, they have fallen behind, you know, other manufacturers like you know Meng, uh the big T, obviously, and, and so on and so forth, right? Like they haven't they're no longer the industry leaders as they were, say, back in the 60s, 70s, and maybe even the 80s. COVID what, what you're seeing is they're taking, they're relying less on the box art and more on the branding to sell the kit. So that when people go into the hobby store, if they're beginners and maybe all they've ever heard of is Airfix, they see the big Airfix logo and they make the connection. So I should buy this, right? And that's, that's why what I did when I was seven. Exactly. The boxer, they're relying on it less and less, and they're relying more and more on the branding. That's why the branding takes up so much more of the box than, say, any other manufacturer. Or is that just me being crazy? I think you're just being crazy. I, that's I probably the voices in my head. I think, I, think you got, I think you got some legit argument there. You've got some, yeah. They are appealing to boomers whose eyesight is declining, so all they can see is the red primary color <laughs> and the Airfix logo. Ugh. So I'll just cover it out and say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who who are we gonna talk about next? Ah, Tamia. Woo-hoo. I hate to say I hate to do this to you, Dennis. I really Don't do. do it. 
don't do it. Don't. My, I'm too weak. My heart's too fragile. Yeah. Finish him. <laughs> but when it comes to thirty fifth armor, time you got to do better. Yeah, they fucking suck. It's, yeah, they do. I mean, yes, they're showing a painting of the subject, but congratulations, the fucking white background. Yeah, it's like, like an Instagram post. Yeah. Whereas you see, because um, I've done, they have done to their credit, Dennis. To their credit, they've done some cool stuff as well. It's just that it can't be in thirty fifth for some reason. It has to be in forty eighth and thirty two. Their forty eighth um, armor kits, the box art, they look fantastic. I think they. Look I would really frame cool. that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the the forty eighth aircraft as well. I'd frame uh, that. They have a background. They could be a little bit more exciting, but you know they're putting an aircraft in the sky. It's it's better than the white background. Yeah. Uh, this and then you have their seventy two. The seventy second yeah. though, like they've done something interesting with it, where it's actually a photo of the of the model built. Um, Which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean... It shows you what it can become. Yeah, like it shows you what you can do with it. Um, whereas, you know, a box out of, say, the 48th, where it's, you know, the T-55 in most likely invading Poland again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> um, you know why the 48th box art is better than the 35th? Why is that? Because all the boomers are finally dying off, so the new <laughs> the new generation so can God. bring in their ideas. <laughs> so you know what? One thing that I'll point out is that with the forty eight scale stuff, and I'll show in another uh, slide the thirty two scale stuff as well. I think one of the great advantages with these painting backgrounds, right, where they actually put it in the scene, is it offers you inspiration. You know, obviously, you don't have to build your model to look like what is on the box art. But if you did try to copy the box art, you'd get something that would look very original, would look very good, right? I mean, they even give you kind of like weathering ideas with a lot of these. Um, whereas with the 72 scale, I think it's almost as if they're trying to appeal more to a kind of a beginner market by showing, look, if you follow the instructions, this is what it will look like, right? And you know, people can see that and they can say, okay, that's something I can accomplish. And they're going to be enticed by saying, I can build this. And the 35th scale, I don't know why they went with a white background. Some of them, they don't have white backgrounds. And, uh, yeah, they dropped the ball. Yeah, like, um, I know the Type 97 in 35th scale has got an, an actual background. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one good thing about box art is if you want to do it as a diorama or something, like, a, a box art can give you a pretty good idea on how you could do it. Yeah, like that uh, IS2. I mean, imagine that. You just have a dirt road, put some grass down, some trees, and there you go. Yeah. Not me with the uh, the Tiger 1 and the Ardennes. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, that's the thing. It sets a scene, gives you inspiration, so that you know, if you want to look at the kid and you want to build it just for the subject, well, if you don't have an idea of what scene you're going to put, then here you go. Try this scene, you know? Yeah. And it worked, goddammit. Yeah. And when it comes to, <laughs> like, when it also comes to weathering, like you know, a, a good box art can like can help out. Yeah, well, look at that T fifty five for instance. Oh yeah, with the dust effects and all that. Yeah, like totally. Hmm. So yeah, Tamiya thirty fifth, pick up your game. Forty eighth, perfect. Keep on keeping on. Iltis, please. <laughs> Oh yes. So, uh, oh. One of my favorites one of my favorite brands in general, Tacom. 
Uh, Tacom's not that old, is it? No, yeah, it's fairly cool. new. Yeah. yeah. I gotta, That's why it's all good. Yeah, I gotta say they got their box arts on point. Uh, the, SM, they do. the SMK one's probably my favorite. Um, I actually used that box art for when I was doing the whitewash and weathering on my one. It's that good. Well, again, wow. you can use it as a reference. Yeah, I literally did. Um, Damn good reference. Yeah, it it really is. But just the the scenes that they put them in, um, like the T twenty nine with the explosion, the flak panzers. Um, the Saint Chamond one looks all amazing as well. I love that one. Even the Yag Tiger, I will say, that's just a nice looking painting. Yeah, it's got this weird like it's not real ultra realistic. It's not like photo realistic, but it's also not like stylized either. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think Tacom really went on point with their artist, whoever it is. Oh, I know that. Uh, so the artist for Tacom, and I believe he does some other work for like companies like Porter Models as well. Is uh, Jason Wong? I believe he's based out of Hong Kong. Um, he does some amazing stuff. You can find him on Twitter if you just look up like Jason Wong Studio. He's basically the Chinese. Uh, he's the Chinese artist for all Free this. Free my stuff. man. He didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Border Model, Tacom, uh, Suyata, all these kind of I'm going to call them new age Chinese manufacturer kit, uh, manufacturers. They use Jason Wong for the most part to do their. Uh, their box art and that's why they all look somewhat similar stylistically about to say i don't blame him though like he does no, amazing work he yeah. does amazing work yeah he gets details on all the vehicles right he gets the environments really well like homeboy does his research and damn good you know, shout out to jason you know what Free i reckon they should you know what i reckon they should do Make um in all the in all the kits <laughs> they should have like <laughs> <laughs> they should have a uh, a poster of the box art as well. Yeah. Without, without the writing and stuff. Just in, like as an A3 poster or something, just have the entire picture that yep. you can hang up. Absolutely. Dude, that would be awesome. If they added that with the kit, like, you know, I'll be so happy. See, if they amazing. did that, they could charge like an extra 10 bucks and I would happily pay for it. No problem. Oh, yeah. oh dude, definitely. Absolutely. Take on. I mean, if you're listening, your... <clears throat> some money to be made. Cash dollar bills, yo. <laughs> Garrison, imagine uh, your basement uh, workbench surrounded by posters of these. I need to make more money so I can get more Tacom kits. <laughs> <laughs> Tacom, send our man's uh, free kits, please, with posters. Hey, yo. Do what Dennis said. Uh, <sighs> this one's uh, interesting. So Ravel, we all know, has been around for a long time. So that <clears throat> Sadly. They've gone through uh, a change similar to Airfix. Um, so they've got the original, the vintage ones are all hand painted and like that Stuka looks really cool. Um, and then they've gone for the more three dimensional effect on their latest kits, which uh, again, I'm not a fan. Me Yet. personally, I'm not a fan of the three the three D look. I much prefer the painted. Yeah, like the B twenty six, you got there. That painted look just looks much, much better. Oh, you got the flat coming up, the the sea shore down there. Yeah, it's a lot better than that fucking three yeah. D shit. But also, just like the style more uh, for me. That's just a personal thing for me. Is I just like that painted style. Um, yeah. So it's like something you'd see in a book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you can see, you know, there's more emphasis with the vintage stuff of uh, less 
brand more picture whereas the new stuff is more brand has gone more brand less picture buy me buy me yeah basically come on you filthy boomer you know you loved me when you were a kid <laughs> although i really wouldn't mind having that be a 109 g2 as in 30 second <clears throat> sue me it's revel but i'll buy it hey sue that man yeah <laughs> them but yeah, so we're just we're just picking a select few. I think we've got one more to just have a quick study on. And <laughs> now this one God. is a classic example of what a box art can be and what they've turned it into. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> so <Throw> mad shit. <laughs> <laughs> so on the left here, we're, this is the thirty-second scale Focke Wolf one ninety. It's an old kit. And the box art is absolutely on point stunning you know you got the heinkel he11 you got the fw190 in the foreground you got spitfires in the back you got absolute chaos in the skies <laughs> it's a great box art and then you have heaven itself see i know i knew oh, i was going to ruin my point putting a uh, japanese aircraft on there japan rule the waves in the sky baby except they don't so Come on see it so you can see on the on the right there, you got the Mitsubishi T two. Eh. It's beautiful. I mean, it's the plane lovely. looks great, but they could have done a bit more. You know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to respectfully disagree with you here because I think it's about what they're trying to show the plane doing. That's an experimental plane. They're showing it shooting in the space, like that's futuristic. That's space age. There, they're trying to show like, make some sort of connotation with the aircraft, just screaming through that sound barrier on its way to the stratosphere. It's just a no. different scene they're setting. Lazy artwork. <laughs> Fine, you win. I FW will say, though, at nice. least they've, got, they've gone the opposite of Airfix and Ravel. Their brand has gotten smaller. So This is good, yes. They get points on that. I will say, uh, have you guys seen the modern uh, Hasuka artwork? Anytime they're doing a kit which is basically special edition, which usually means it's the same kit, but it's coming with uh, different decals, they don't even use box art. They just use a photograph of the aircraft. What kind of kit is it? The Hasegawa, um, what do you call it? Any of them. So like any kind of kit where Hasegawa is re-releasing a kit with different decals. When I want to use the example here of American, like US Navy F-18s, for instance. They don't use box art. They just use a picture of the actual aircraft. False. The V-22 is box art. I'm saying in general. See, my, see the uh, F-4 EJ Phantoms. Mm. Here, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll send it in the Discord. Give me a sec. Do it. Uh, I'll show you what I'm talking about. F four EJ. Yeah, see, they did they did a, an F four E Phantom two old style, and that 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 one looks really cool. It that grabs the attention. Um, let's see what you put down. Yeah, their old their old uh, box art is really good. All right, that's I just sent you guys kind of an example of what I'm talking about here. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So for the limited edition kits, yeah, instead of you know redoing all the box art for a limited edition kit, you just use the photograph. Yeah, it's a nice I, photo. I, don't get me wrong, but I I kind of fuck with it. They do go hard. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that's Hasegawa. 
Was that the last one? Yes. I think that was so, the last so, one, yes. I think, the, so we are going to go through our personal favorites <laughs> that we've found. Yes. Uh, who's this one? Okay. Mine. Go for it. Okay. So, uh, I love box art where it's showing either... I like realism when it comes to box art, even if it's like a space theme, like Star Wars something. I like the realistic aspect. So combat scenes, tanks at rest. Uh, you know, like the top left there, you got that tank commander sitting out his hatch somewhere in fucking Russia or Poland or something, right? Um, you know, it's got that good scenery like we talked about earlier. It's really good, uh, you know, uh, inspiration for dioramas, for making your model. It's, it'd make hell, like, really good uh, wall decorations. Um yeah, and then what was it? That monogram down there on the left, Dennis. You said was uh, they used to make dioramas and make that their box art. Yeah. So there was a that was Shep Payne's work. Yeah. So that's right. uh, Shep, Shep Payne. Yeah. When uh, Shep, so Shep Payne was sort of like the uh, kind of like the night shift of his day. This is going back to the seventies, I want to say. Um, he was considered one of the preeminent diorama guys. So what Monogram would do is whenever they came out with a new tank kit, they would send it to him, he would build it into a diorama, and they would use that as their box art. Which is sort of like what Timmy is doing with their 1-72 scale aircraft, where they're showing something already built, rather than you know, art per se. Yeah, I, I will say I like that. Like, If, in a sense, I... Yeah, I'm just going to say I like it. It's, it's really good. I like the idea of showing a diorama with that kit put into it as the box art. And then stuff like Trumpeter over there throwing some shade at Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. It's such a um, small detail. Yes, but a very much appreciated one. Um, oh, God. You got stuff like the the Dragon 251 right there. That's taken from an actual picture. Uh, like you, can, if you look at the picture and then that box art, the only difference is the two five ones destroyed and the back hatches are open and there's Americans standing around it. They've got the church steeple, the stug, the other buildings in the backdrop, the smoke going off. Like I think that's really cool. They took that historical picture from the battle and recreated it moments before you know that that battle stopped. Uh, so I think stuff like that's cool. The Tigers up there at rest. Uh, the 262 flying past that P-51. Uh, it was really cool stuff. Those aren't P-51s. Oh, I can't. <laughs> those, I can't uh, tell. It's really small. Those are Hawker they Tempests. P-40s? I can't tell. I'm sorry. It's fucking small. They're P-51s, Cal. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, they are. No, they're not. <laughs> They are the, the RAF P-51s with the chin intake. <laughs> Haven't you heard of them? I'm going to send you a picture of my screen, and then you can sue me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just... Okay, yeah, I'm an idiot now. <laughs> Sorry to call you out. No, it's fine. It, it's nah, he was right. It's a P-51. I don't know what you're talking about, Cal. Yeah, it's a P-51F. <laughs> Okay, all those in favor of being a P-51, say aye. Mm. Aye. All those who are going to edit this to make it sound like I won, say aye. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimate R. (laughs) That's what socialists do. (laughs) Yeah, that and bike lanes. (laughs) 
god. Alrighty. So these are just uh, this. Oh, I wonder who this is. It's Callum's, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all those primary colors. <laughs> it must be XOXO, Dennis. XOXO. Thank you. So yeah, um, this is just a little mood board of some of my favorite styles in uh, the box art category. My personal favorite is unironic, you know, unsurprisingly uh, to me. Um, I really like their one to three fifty scale and one to thirty two scale box art. Um, probably my favorite piece of box art is. It's hard to say. It's either the uh, F4U1A Corsair here um, or the I400. I've, I've got the I400 kit actually in my stash. I, I've saved the box of it. It's an interesting scene. Like I just like how it, it's got so much depth to it. It's sort of like the older style ones, but with modern uh, elements. Um, definitely my favorite artist is uh, Masami Onishi. He's the uh, He was the big guy at Tamiya for doing all of these like actual paintings rather than the... Uh, just the white white backgrounds. Um, Jason Wong again. This is the uh, new Border Models uh, Lancaster nose kit. And again, Jason Wong. He's probably one of the best uh, modern artists for box art. Again, you know, all very much like the that Falk Wolf One Ninety box art that Callum showed. And I also, you know, in regards to cars, I do actually I'm okay with it when a car car kit has just the actual thing on the cover. Um, that's that's definitely the reason why I like this Aoshima box art. There's it's because of the car. Right on. I mean, it definitely yeah. grabs the attention as well, doesn't it? <laughs> Aoshima, they're, they're cheeky little buggers. I like them. They got sass. I gotta say the that Lancaster one. I'm just I'm only confused by the setting, but that's the only can criticism. I'm confused by the damn kit itself like why would you make just a note i mean i know it's a huge fucking thing as it is but like okay here's the reason you want to know how much that lancaster kit retails for here in canada on average huh a thousand dollars it's one thousand five hundred over here yep yep it's just expensive so if you could have the nose with you know the full interior for like a hundred bucks you know can't make a diorama out of that dennis actually you can't because what if you did it? Like, you know, what if you did a factory scene? Because they would assemble the entire nose and then attach it to the rest of the fuselage, and you could put it on a dolly or you know something like that. Okay, yeah, you're gonna put a whole Lancaster nose on a dolly. Yeah, yeah why not? They did that. A handheld dolly. Yeah, you know like what? I would, I would no, use. Uh... No, like a fucking dolly that's suspended from the fucking root ceiling. Hold okay. on, I'm gonna send you a photo of what I'm talking about. No, this is actually how they would do it. So you could easily make an interesting uh, full interior diorama. I'm going to drop it in podcast planning. Do it. See what I'm talking about? So you could create some sort of scene where you've got workbenches and whatnot. You could easily show off the full interior. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, that'd be Okay, so fair cool. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe that is actually what they're going for here. Maybe they want people to make stuff like that. Otherwise, it's kind of weird. I will agree. Yeah. I mean, again, also, the interior of, say, the nose of a Lancaster is highly, highly detailed. At 30-second scale, you'll be able to see into it and see a lot of detail. So, you know, like, can you imagine how many parts that would be just to make all of that? Like, the turret, the bombardier station, all of that? Uh, no. I cannot. There will be more parts in that nose, and there will be in most tank kits. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe they, yeah. Well, maybe they shouldn't then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe they just shouldn't, okay? <laughs> if I can't have it, no one can. I think another a big attraction here, in, uh, because HK Models also did this when they did their 32 scale Lancaster. Um, one of the ideas is because Lancasters had such really interesting bo- uh, nose art, you could also just build the nose to show off the nose art. I mean, oh, this yeah. one here is the Phantom of the Rear. That's pretty interesting. Right. I could see that, I guess. I, I guess. I'll give it to him. They hated him because he said the truth. <laughs> uh, and so this is for me, so... Uh, the two, the two airfix ones are my absolute favorite. You got the Douglas Dakota and the Dornier uh, DO seventeen. Uh, so the original painter for airfix was a guy uh, Roy Cross. Uh, he did all of these, all the the old airfix. So uh, the airfix, are, the vintage airfix, are my favorite of all time. They're my favorite box arts. They, they've just got so much in them. They're so well painted. Um, you know, like the Dakota one where they have, you've got how many aircraft in the background deploying how many parachute um, paratroopers all at the same time. It's just, it's a great scene. And then with the Dornier, you've got um, some interesting aircraft in it because you got, they're clearly showing very early war because you've got the Polish um, PZ-11 aircraft attacking the Dorniers. So that's very, very early in uh, Second World War. And, it's a great, great little bit of artwork. I really like that. Um, they actually released a book. Um, Airfix released a book of just their box arts done by Roy Cross. I really want it, but that thing is about a hundred bucks over here, possibly more. Get it anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when would that ever stop you? Yeah. Who needs a mortgage? Yeah. yeah. Um, so then, also my favorites are like the Attack uh, on Flak Panzer Five, the Kugel Blitz. Uh, that's a really good scene because it's clearly in, in Berlin. You've got, you know, it's in some rubble in a town. You've got a soldier in the background. It's it's a very good action scene, that. Um... I think Ezra would agree. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, I, I like it, too. And I then, like that. Uh... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, in uh, Academy, um, I like the kits and I like the box hats. I know you're going to give me shit about that one. <laughs> you know what the, the academy kit the boxer isn't terrible oh, no. it's really not the uh so the the m36b1 that's uh having that destroyed um townhouse in the background is that's a good diorama Probably. right there yes and then the uh the tempest 5 with the v1 buzz bomb in the background which is what the tempests were used a lot for intercepting yeah it's Academy do really well on their box art. I do enjoy them, you know. So as you should. Not the best kits, but they make they make up for it. But yeah, and if any if any kit wanted to provide again a poster in the in the box of just the box art with none of the branding or anything like that, I will happily pay fork out an extra ten twenty bucks on the kit just for that. You know, uh, twenty is a little much. I'll do ten. <laughs> I'm buying you... an eighty dollar Tacom kit. I need a, I need some kind of a break. Oh yeah, well, ten bucks at most then because it's just a poster. But if they provided that, 
I would be so happy. It's like adding a fence to your house before you sell it. Up surprised by about twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. But that is our little chat about box arts. You probably uh, yeah. they probably even didn't didn't even make it up to this point anyway. So you know. <laughs> ah well. If you have stuck around, thank you so much for watching and or listening to us. You've been watching the Micro Machines podcast. And next week, come, correct me if I'm wrong on this, hopefully we will be joined by Floki from yes. Floki's Models. Uh, possibly yes. next episode where it was supposed to be this week, this episode, but um, he couldn't Life make happened. it. So we're going to get him. We're going we're gonna to get him. Don't worry. You hear that, Floki? Your ass is ours. Coming for you. <laughs> Just like Pinju. <laughs> he belongs to us now. <laughs> yeah, well. Bye, everyone. See you Have later.